0: 8. We're going to dive into the message this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being faithful to church. Continuing right along in our series here in chapter number 8 of Mark. And the verses today, we're going to go 22 through 26. What I've done for the most part is, you know how your Bible will sometimes gives you a little summary of a few verses and things? For the most part, I just go with that and I just whatever verses are in that little summary but I really felt like here there was two different st- they included in one and those aren't inspired anyway so that doesn't really matter there and um, I had a very tough time with the message this week it's one of the toughest messages I've had in the book of Mark and uh, so when I have a tough time what I do is I go and find people who preached on this passage and see what they got to say and see if I can find anything there. Spurgeon preached three times I, I like Spurgeon some people don't like Charles Spurgeon some do I don't think I'd ever grow a beard quite like his and look like that But he preached three times out of this passage And he said this and it sparked my curiosity and my thinking And his words were this and he was talking about how He it gave some perspective on this passage it Said had our Lord cast all his miracles in one mold men would have attached undue importance to the matter in which he worked and would have of it by which the miracle was accomplished. It got me thinking through the gospels Jesus healed many blind people but he did it in different ways each time. Oh that? couple of examples we'll get to our text this morning we'll dive into the sermon but in Matthew chapter number 9 two blind men regained their sight when Jesus simply touched their eyes in Matthew chapter number 12 we read of a blind man and a mute man and we're told we aren't told how he healed them he just healed them Bible tells us in Mark 8 and uh, the blind man's name you know Barimaeus He was healed. Jesus simply spoke a word, and he received his sight. In John chapter number 9, a man who was born blind was healed after Jesus spat on the ground, made some mud, and put it on his eyes. And so we see different ways that Jesus healed people. And it got me thinking about the fact of everyone in this world, Do you realize this morning that there were a lot of people driving their cars today or yesterday or they will later on today that are blind? You go into the grocery store and a lot of the people you see in the grocery store are blind. They're blinded by the God of this world. Spiritually speaking, there are more blind people in this world than people that can see. Reminds me of the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now found. I was blind, but now I see. As we get ready to dive into the message today, I love the fact that Jesus' message never changes. But methods he uses with people change. No one in this room was saved the same exact same way. God worked in your life in a different way than he worked in my life. This last week on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, I put a post. And the post said, I need help with my Sunday morning sermon. What did God use to bring you to him? I said, try and make a one-sentence summary. Five people followed. My mother-in-law wrote the biggest book. And uh, she's my mother-in-law, so she could get away with that. But let's look at the passage this morning and let's do some thinking about the Lord today and see what we can get from this passage about seeing clearly this morning. Mark 8, verse 22. And he cometh to Bethesda, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, And put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to anyone in the town. Why didn't Jesus want Bethesda to know what he had done? We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. That will be at the end of the message this morning. Jesus heals this man. I love the fact that we see right away in verse 22. It says, they bring a blind man. Who's the they? It doesn't really matter who the they is. They brought them to Jesus. And that's something that needs to be reminded to us. We're not that important, okay? Just remember that. We are the they in the story right there. It's our job just to get people to Jesus. That's our job. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about getting people to Jesus. And these people did their job and got this man to Jesus. We're going to look at that more this morning. Think with me for a minute. What God used to get you to salvation. Could you think of a one sentence summary this morning? I think for myself, I didn't post it online, but I actually think it was a great post on Facebook because it got people thinking about when the Lord saved them. Compared to what people really think about on Facebook half the time, I think that was a great thing to have people think about. God used godly parents in my life and a revival meeting at church. To convict my heart for salvation. That's what it was for me. I'm going to read today in my message several of the comments that I got this week. Anybody, you didn't post online, but can you think of a one-sentence summary of what the Lord, where you were, and what God used to get to you? Stephanie? God used a friend? And a revival meeting. Mark? Who believed in you? Amen. Nick. Trials. Mona. Mark. John. Did she say if you didn't go if you didn't go to church with her, she wouldn't date you anymore? I could see Debbie almost saying something like that. I could see that. She's strong enough for that. So he he just got saved the next day. No, I, I'm just teasing. It took a little bit. Joyce. Russ, you and John have a lot of the same story. God used Joyce to help feed the Lord, too. So she had a good part of it. Edna. Barbara. Barbara. Do you see how God used different people and different things and lives to help draw us to him? What we see in this passage this morning, another example of that. And as we go through the message, I'm going to give you some of the things that people talked about that God used. But as we look at the message this morning, I want to encourage you about what the Lord's doing in your life, what he's done in your life, and what he wants to use you to help reach others so they can get to Jesus. Hey, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're kind of like this blind man not being able to see. The only answer to heal those blind eyes is for the hands of Jesus and for Jesus to heal you. And he's the only one who can. As we dive into the message this morning, we're going to see several things. And as we dive in, let's go there this morning. We look at verse number. We've read these verses there just a minute ago. We're going to give three points this morning, give a few thoughts, and we'll be done with the message. Number one this morning, just some thoughts about this passage. Minister to those in misery. We see in this passage, see some people, the they, the blind man to Jesus so that he could work on this man. Hey, this morning as we look at this passage and as we get ready to dive in, We see the fact that Jesus comes to Bethesda. This is a village on the northeast shore of the Sea of Galilee near the mouth of the upper Jordan River. This is where Philip, Peter, and Andrew grew up. Some friends of a blind man find out that Jesus is coming, and they bring their friend to Jesus. Real friends, you know, in our world they say, real friends don't let friends drive drunk, right? Isn't that what our world says? I got a better one. Real friends don't let their friends die without knowing about Jesus. As we look at this this morning, minister to those in misery, the first thing that we see that these people did, letter A, is they they brought, their, they brought this man. We need to bring people to Jesus. We see that phrase, and they bring a blind man unto him. The word bringing has the idea of carrying So you know this took them some effort to get this man to Jesus. The bringing there is just like we saw before. Remember how they brought the man and then they lowered him through the roof of the house? It took effort on their part to get this man to Jesus. This man couldn't see, and uh, so they had to work with him and help him get where he needed to be. And church, may I just remind you this morning the importance of getting people to Jesus. That is our job today. We see over and over, do you see through the Gospels, and do you see a theme as we've gone through these books and through these chapters? We see the fact that people brought people to Jesus, and Jesus does the work. That's all we can do. It is my job to go into this world and to tell people and just to get them to Jesus. Let Him do the work. I'm not supposed to be a salesman. I'm not supposed to. I don't do the saving. I don't do any of that. I just bring people to Jesus and He does the work. He will draw men unto Himself, the Scripture tells us. We'll look more at that. But as we think about this this morning and some principles we can get from this passage, we need to minister to those who are in misery. And you say, Who's in misery? Anyone who does not know Christ today. This lost world is in misery. You say, well, they don't know it. They're blind to it. How will they know it? The only way they're going to know is by getting to Jesus and saying, whoa, I'm undone. I'm unclean. I can't do this on my own. Do you see how that all works? And so we see this morning we can minister to those in misery. It starts out by bringing people to Jesus and then let her be. Beg Jesus to touch them. Scripture says after bringing this man to Jesus, they said and they besought him to touch him. The word besought means to invite, to come to the side of. These friends are asking Jesus, hey Jesus, do something in our friend's life. These are good friends. These are the type of friends I want in my life. Let me ask you this morning, do the friends in your life draw you closer to Jesus? Or do your friends pull you away from Jesus? Hey, who can you think of this morning? A friend, a relative, a co-worker, an enemy that needs Jesus that you could bring to Jesus. And maybe they're not ready for you to literally walk them to Jesus yet. But when's the last time you took their name in prayer? Before God And beg God to work on their heart When's the last time you begged God To work on that family member That hey There's no hope for this family member There's always hope with the Lord God can work And God can do amazing things And God can use circumstances of life To touch people And to work in people's lives But there's a great principle Found here They besought him To work in this man's life. When's the last time you asked God. To help to reach your neighbors. When's the last time you asked God. To reach your co-workers. That lost family member. It's a great lesson to be learned in this passage this morning. Church. We need to minister to those in ministry. Let me ask you this morning, and this is going to be a big topic that we park on for a long time. Next month, the second week of November, we have uh, T.J. Kimmel, and the Kimmels are going to be with us. They were here a few years ago. We're going to have a mission Sunday again. we got to keep our eyes focused on what's important. You know, I am grateful for the ladies' fellowship, the ladies' conference we had yesterday. I'm grateful for the different events we have that come up. You know, the Harvest Festival that we're having. Some people are like, Pastor, I'm so glad you turn Halloween for our kids. That's the reason to do it. You you figure out what you do with Halloween. Sometime, sometime for fun, I'm going to preach a whole message on Halloween just to uh, some people like Halloween a little too much, and we're going to just I'm going to do a whole message and totally ruin your day when I do it. But I haven't done it yet. It's going to come one of these days. Because it's amazing we celebrate a pagan day. But anyways, well, I'll leave that there. I'll leave that there. And I think you can be balanced and do and do certain things. You've got to figure that out for yourself. Be fully persuaded in your own mind. And I'll go down that road one day. But why have the Harvest Festival? Because we'll have soul winners out there trying to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why go to the park and help the city throw on their Halloween event? Don't we have, enough to, we have enough we could be doing? There's a gospel track that everyone's going to get that comes through. And you never know what a little seed could do in the life of somebody. But that's where a church, that's where we should be begging Jesus now to touch those people now. We should be praying for those that come to the Harvest Festival in a couple weeks. That God would touch their hearts for the gospel. That event that takes place. This next week, I got three teenage boys going with me. We're leaving Thursday morning to go up to, near San Francisco. Remember Caleb Finley, the church planner. Their church starts in the next couple months. We're going to go canvas doors for them all day Friday, Saturday morning, and come back Saturday evening. You say, why? To get the gospel out. Be in prayer. That God would touch someone's heart for a new church plan up there. Maybe someone gets saved. But we need to minister. That's our job. We need to tell people about Jesus. Beg Jesus to work in their lives. That's how it works. Aren't you thankful for those in your life that helped you get to Jesus? I am. Some people on Facebook, some of the responses I got, someone said, a private conversation with a friend. I'm sure they were glad that friend witnessed to them. Another, another lady said, caring people in a small church in Minnesota shared about Jesus with me. I'm glad there were some caring people in that city there that reached out to her. Another person said, a friend of my husband's kept inviting him over and over again to church, and we finally gave in. And it wasn't shortly after that they got saved. Thank God for a friend who kept bugging them to go to church. Someone said, I was 15 coming from an unsafe family and attending my friend's church teen snow camp. Thank God for a friend that invited a friend to camp. As we look at this passage today, we see, number one, we need to minister to those in misery. Number two, see, we watch the master show mercy. Don't you love watching what Jesus does? I do. Some my, and that's, that's why I love the Gospels. I love... and. Do, please don't get me wrong there are so many other passages of the bible that i love but there's just something about watching jesus even in this passage what's jesus going to do here i love watching jesus i love seeing the example that it sets and we see him show mercy and as he does this you see the fact that he's personal he shows mercy in private and there's often a process involved that's how it works with jesus We see as we watch the master show mercy, we see letter A, that it's personal. Aren't you glad today that we have a personal Savior? I love how personal he is. Verse 23 tells us, and he took the blind man by the hand. The sense of touch would have been elevated for a blind man. So it meant a lot to this man. Jesus grabs his hand and leads him. A personal touch. I imagine Jesus and uh, Isaiah come here for a minute. I imagine Jesus is taking this guy by the arm and saying, "Okay, we're going to come this way." Oh, there's there's a pothole here. Come this way. So can you just picture him helping lead this guy? He's blind, helping get him he can sit back down. Should I take off your glasses? Anybody been blind Over there. <laughs> Our, you think about today in our culture, there's something that we got to make sure of something. And I'm, I know we live in the day of COVID and all that wonderful stuff. And you hear, I heard a while back, it was Dr. Fauci, and, and that guy just needs to retire and go away. Be putting a little a little cell with bars on. But anyways, we'll leave that alone this morning. You don't need doctors that are we'll leave that there we need doctors that just are doctors but anyways how would I get off of that he said he would love to see in our world where handshaking is completely done away with and we never handshake again he said that those were his words That's a said he would like to see that there's something and it's about touch that we need and a warm handshake is a good thing I don't think you need to hug people all the time when they come into church. But a handshake, just don't go back to greeting each other with a holy kiss. Anyways, we'll leave that one there. It's Bible. We'll leave that one alone this morning. But we see it's personal, personal touch. We see letter B that it's also private. Just like he did with the deaf man and the the mute man in chapter 7, Jesus led him out of town. Why did Jesus lead him out of town? I do not know. My mind could jump to a bunch of conclusions but sometimes we just got to get away to get to where God can work in us, right? What did the Lord do with Abraham? Abraham, you need to leave the Ur of the Chaldees and go to this place I tell you to go. Um, Lot needed to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses left Pharaoh's household. It also teaches us the importance of getting alone with Jesus. Hey, church, did you get alone with Jesus this week? He's available, he's ready. He loves to spend time with his children, he loves to spend time with you. Did you get alone with him this week? What did you read about this week? How was your prayer time with him this week? And I encourage you, you say, oh, pastor, I was just too busy to spend time with God. You're too busy and you need to reprioritize things. This week? Oh, yeah, I ate. Why? Because the stomach started grumbling. Mm-hmm. If prayer and your time with God was important, you'd do it. We look here, we see the Savior, we see the fact that it's personal. It's private. Think about those that some of the th- people that gave me their personal testimonies and things. And uh, this lady said, I was very unhappy with my life. My sister got saved. She witnessed to my husband and I. Both of us got saved at, Cal- at um, Calvary Chapel. We watched the movie. I can't remember the name of it, but that's where they got saved. They're going through a tough time. They went somewhere and God worked in their life. My mother-in-law, i got to read hers because it's a, it's a pretty neat story, but it's long, so just listen here. As I look back, I'm so grateful for each step by step he led the way. After graduating from Bo Tech School, I got a job in Minneapolis. My boss was a Christian and gave me subscriptions to Decision Magazine, the Billy Graham paper. And I joined St. Richard's Catholic Church and became involved with a group of people concerned for feeding third world countries. We sponsored a square dance to raise money. My husband now was also at the square dance. We met that night and began dating. He was already saved and offered to have a Bible study with me. What a pickup line right there, right? And um, it was all new. We married and shortly after moved for a job they had gotten with IBM We were in an apartment building, and a bus worker came from 37th Street Baptist Church, knocked on our door and invited us to church. We went, and the first Sunday there, I trusted Christ for salvation. Isn't it amazing how God could use a Catholic square dance? That's pretty amazing to me. Someone wrote this. I thought this was a good one. I went to church to meet a girl. She never showed up, but the Savior did. So someone else said I was nine years old and my Sunday school teacher is the one who led me to the Lord. Um, so on July 15, 1984. I wasn't even born yet. We had a revival meeting with evangelist Bill Hall. He preached on the realities of hell. I made it home trembling, scared to death, and at 10.26 p.m. in my bedroom, I got off my bed, knelt, and asked God to forgive me of my sins, and I accepted Christ. Praise God for that. This is a good one. I'd already tried everything else. I was so tired and weary of everything. One morning, I was leaving to take my boys to breakfast. A girl ran out and asked me for a ride to the bus stop. When we got there, the bus was gone already. She was going to church, so I offered to take her there. As we got close to church, my sons begged to go in. I didn't want to. Eventually, I walked in, waiting for the walls to cave in. They didn't. And I got saved. Thankful for her boys that wanted to go to church. It's amazing what the Lord can do. And do you see how the Lord kind of took them out of their environment? And took them somewhere? And a lot of times to church? To a Catholic square dance? I haven't asked my in-laws to do any square dancing for me. I want to see if they can actually do it. My mother-in-law thought about being a... And that was really what you wanted to be. Thirteen children, that would be, anyways, we'll leave that one alone there. But Jesus ministers personally and privately, and thank God for that. And don't ever lose sight of the fact that the Lord works. We look at the process that he uses, and we see this, the process. It's kind of, you, the thing you've got to remember about Jesus, he does nothing by accident. Nothing by accident. Everything is deliberate. He knows what he's doing. But this process looks weird to me, okay? In fact, there's like two stages to this process. As we look here, we see the Bible says in those verses in 23, and when he had spit on his eyes. Aren't you glad that we don't spit on people's eyes today? You know, Nick, I was thinking about, as I was thinking about this sermon, thought about your eye surgeries lately and things. Aren't you glad I didn't walk out and, and spit in your eyes and that wouldn't have been very much fun right there this did right here maybe that's where parents where moms get this thing of licking their finger and wiping the stuff off your face maybe she picked it up from jesus here i don't know but in the days of covid and things that would have been real good too to spit on someone but this is but you understand in those days too they thought that spit was thought to have some medical properties to it but to me it's just kind of gross anyways we'll leave that there but he spit on his eyes. He put his hands on him, the scripture says. When the warm spit hit his eyes, the man couldn't see. So he doesn't even know what's going on. Jesus immediately uses hands and touches him. What do you and look what the man says. He says, I see trees walking. It reminds me... Um, Back in the day, the Lord of the Rings movies, I've seen all those. I like those movies. But you had those trees walking around. It just reminded me of that. And uh, some of you that you don't know about, don't worry about it. It's all good. But um, the guy says something that's interesting. I don't know if this guy was blind from birth because how would he know what a tree looks like? He says the fact that he sees men as trees. So maybe he wasn't blind as a young person. And then an accident, something happened, and he became blind. Don't know. Not going to go off on that. Just a thought. Because this is, this is the thing. If you would take some time, when, and I try to teach our young people on Wednesday during youth group, how to study God's word. You just got to ask questions like that. You need to dive in and just devour a passage of scripture. Think on things. It's okay to think. Now, when the Bible doesn't give a clear answer, you don't need to proclaim that as gospel, okay? But it's okay to think. We see that, but we see the fact that this man still couldn't see clearly. Then we see once again that Jesus goes again, and it says, and after he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, this is what the friends wanted Jesus to do, heal this man. And Jesus does it. He was restored. He saw clearly. The first thing this man saw was Jesus. Wouldn't that be, that's, I can't wait for the day to see him face to face. I love singing some of those songs of Fanny Crosby who was blind. And I shall know him when my life's work is ended. I'm going to see my Savior first of all. This man sees Jesus for for the first time here. And As we see this here, the Bible uses the words. And you've got to understand, in English and Greek, you don't need to be a Greek scholar to study the Bible. I think the English does just fine. I think your Bible's fine right there in front of you. But Greek just gives more vivid thoughts to things at times. And just like here, the word clearly means brightly, shining. And with these different things, this guy could see. He could be at the doctor and see things big letters on the chart. He could also see the little letters on the chart. He didn't even know there were little letters on there. Don't miss the healing the blind man had. you got to realize this. It was a sign that Jesus was the Messiah. Going all the way back to the Old Testament. This is big stuff. And when we look at this, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 35, 5 of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The Bible tells us in Luke 4, verse 18 and 19 this was a prophecy that Jesus was saying about himself that Isaiah wrote 700 plus years before The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Look at this. And recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. John the Baptist, remember when he was in prison? John doubted a little bit. And John sent some of his disciples in Luke 7, verse 20 through 22, and basically says, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Now this is the same man that when he saw Jesus come, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Even the best of Christians doubt at times. And that's what you see right here. This is what Jesus told them to go tell him. Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and have heard. How the blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. What we see here in the miracle of healing this blind man, we see another proof that Jesus is the Messiah. Because he healed the blind man. That's part of what he would do. Part of the prophecies that were made. As we look at all of this and as we get to the end of the message today, there were some other people that left some messages. Someone said this, the fun of my drug, alcohol party friends left me empty inside, but very full of guilt and wasting my parents' wonderful Christian influence of 18 years. This is the time I was truly born again and freed from my bondage of my sinful life. This man's a missionary today in the Philippines. Someone that comes to our church, she's not here this morning, but she said when her daughter had medical issues at three months old, it got her to go to church. That's when they got saved. Someone said it was my father's death when I was seven. A year later, I started attending Christian school where I heard a clear presentation and it all came together for me. Someone said I was unwed, pregnant, two little boys in a state where I knew no one, and I had a brother in a church praying for me. This was a good one. I had bad anxiety attacks and you were out soul winning. Someone said, when I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma about 21 years ago, God used that in my life to get me to Him. Someone said this, through trials and discouragement, God led me. There's another one, I was 28, a single mom, broken and hurting and feeling so alone in the world, and just started going to church. And then, man. Wrote a book here. Thanks a lot. And um, my best friend since junior high and I hadn't spoken in two years. They had a big blow up. She lived somewhere. All these other things. The Preacher preached on forgiveness. Really wrecked her. And then they called. They talked to each other the following week. And God worked and it was through those things. You see, God works in crazy ways in people's lives. And brings people to him. The gospel message is always the same. But the methods he uses are different with every person. Number three and lastly this morning. We need to be motivated to live on mission. Say what What mission? We need to be motivated to do what? Are you ready? We just need to do what Jesus tells us to do. That's all we need to do. Hey, and that could be for us today. We just need to listen to the Holy Spirit when he leads. Has the Holy Spirit ever told you, hey, you should go witness to so-and-so? He's done that to me, and I'm like, no, they don't want to hear anything. Be motivated to live on mission. There's a positive and a negative command in verse 26. Look at verse 26, and we're ending here in just a minute. Sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to anyone in the town. This man is told where to go and where not to go. The key, being motivated to live on mission, the key is just to obey. Whether you understand or not what the Lord tells you to do, just do what he says. Like today you say, how can I do it? He told you to go witness to people. So do what he's already told you to do. Can I make it any simpler? You can make it more simple. But pastor, I'm scared I could never do it. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can do it. Period. I am not the greatest at it. I'm terrible at it. But I can do it through his help. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You're gonna, when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be witnesses of me. Now what we see here is he sent him away to his house. Someone has said this. They said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. I think that's pretty true. We see here where it says, go to your house, we think of literally our house. And in our day and age, when we use the word house, we think of those that live within the four walls of where we are. In Bible days, in the Greek, in this passage, it was a lot different. When it says go to your house, it's a much broader sense as in your family, co-workers, friends that you're regularly in contact with, not just the four walls of your house within. Each of us have people that we are involved with, that we have contact with each and every day. That's our mission field. God has put you in the path of people to help them get to him. Now at the end of the day if they choose him or not that's on them. I cannot make anybody choose Christ. But I can learn them. I can plant those seeds. Did you realize this? Studies show that 75 to 90% of people come to Christ through the influence of a friend or a family member. Of those I surveyed online there were 45 responses. 90% was a friend a family member when's the last time you reached out to someone and told them about the Lord a few more testimonies I'll give you and then we'll round out here someone put one word prison prison changed their life they got saved and I know sometimes we say do people really get saved in those moments this person sure did Praise God for that. And sometimes God has to do certain things to get us to the spot where we need to be. Our former pastor here, he was homesick in Morocco, Africa, and someone told him about the Lord and he got saved. Aren't you glad Pastor Cruz got saved and someone told a lonely guy in Africa? I am grateful for that. As we wrap up today, though, I want you to notice one last thing. You look at verse 26. It says, neither go into the town nor tell it to anyone in the town. Doesn't that seem kind of harsh? Doesn't Jesus go everywhere? He says, don't take it into Bethesda. Don't tell anyone in this town. What was it about Bethesda that made Jesus tell the man to stay away? Lots of miracles were done. But because of their hard hearts, Jesus had really given a curse to this village. Matthew 11, verse number 21 and 22. Woe unto thee, Terazin, woe unto thee, Bethesda. For if the mighty works which were done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it is, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Bethesda got to see a lot of the miracles take place, and the people rejected Christ. They were given, they were shown, they were shown, and they rejected. And Jesus basically said, I'm done with you we talk about Romans chapter 1 coming into play and the reprobate mind the Lord said and that's why he tells the man here don't go to the city don't tell anyone there they rejected me that's what we see in this passage here Jesus rejected them because they wouldn't receive him they tuned him out so he turned away they had been given light but they didn't want the light as a result the community was judged but do you know what I see God still saved individuals kind of what I see happening in America today as a whole America is rejecting God but God still saves individuals And that's how he works today.